This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Bursting big compute to the cloud. Less science in Trump budget proposal. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader. And Tiffany, This Week in HPC, a lot of our top stories really have to do with the growth of HPC in the cloud. Yeah, that's right. This week, HPC covered a cool GPU cloud bursting story. But before we get to that, you were at the big compute conference, big compute conference up in San Francisco this week. It was put on by Rescale. I saw you tweeting about it, and it seems like there was an interesting program with some good speakers. Yeah, there really was. And and as you mentioned, it was uh, an event that was coordinated by Rescale, but it had a number of sponsors. Rescale didn't really have its own uh, its own brand front and center. It, it had support from uh, all of the major cloud vendors, of course. Uh, AWS was there and Azure was there and Google was there. And they also had uh, some key speakers from across the uh, from oh, and a big sponsorship from Intel as well, and then the, and then good speakers from across a wide range of industries. Sam Altman, who's a well-known blogger for OpenAI, did a fireside chat together with a Rescale executive. But I think my personal favorite was a talk by Kelly Senecal, who's the founder of Convergent Science. Now, that's got to tie back to HPC Wire as well. They won your Editor's Choice Award for Best Use of HPC in Manufacturing. And a lot of what they did was he was looking at a more global uh, impact measurement of uh, the different types of uh, cars, whether you go to an all-electric battery-powered car versus a diesel car versus a traditional gasoline internal combustion engine, some kind of hybrid model. He said it's easy to to just sit back and assume, oh, I'm being green because I'm driving a battery-powered car. But if our if our global goal is to look at worldwide pollution, not only uh, carbon uh, carbon dioxide, but you know, particulate matter from brake dust and tires. And over the lifespan of the car, across, from the manufacturing process through the operation of the car, all through disposal, it really becomes a more complicated, it depends kind of question because the battery powered car takes more energy to produce the car to begin with. And it doesn't operate on zero energy. It depends on what you're your power sources, if you're plugging in your electric car and getting that electricity from a coal plant, then you're still consuming fossil fuel energy in powering your car. Not at the same rate, but in terms of which one is the most efficient overall, there are variables in terms of the lifespan of the car, how many miles you drive it, what where you get your power from, what kind of um, geography you're in to begin with do you ever need a, a new battery pack in your car over the life of the car and he showed a lot of graphs that shows that really it depends and what we really need to be doing is looking at not just one vector of the problem but he's showing cfd simulations of things like more efficient spark plugs and does that help reduce global emissions overall uh if you include internal combustion engine cars in the mix Oh, that's really that's really cool. Um, so yeah, convergent science. Yeah, they they were uh, 
the when they won uh, our 2019 Editor's Choice Award for Best Use of HPC and Automotive, along with Argon and Aramco Research. So uh, it's neat to see how that ties together. Was there any other highlights you wanted to mention? Yeah, Mark Oldakowski is the Chief Operating Officer of BioNanoGenomics. Uh, gave a great um, uh, talk on predictive genomics and and the progress of that over the last uh, couple of decades. I was very interested in uh, a talk from Blake Scholl of Boom Supersonic. This is a company that's trying to bring commercial supersonic travel back in. He was looking at the advancements we've made in 50 years in all kinds of other fields. But, you know, we had the Concorde for a little while, but it was really as he said, more of a, a unique bucket list item to go do once and not something that was ever economically viable as a as a major source of business travel. But if we could get supersonic flight down to regular business class fares and get, get around the world in half the time, uh, that really starts making a major difference in terms of uh, – in terms of uh, what business travel can look like. And I'll mention one other, Patrick Farrell, who is the speaker from uh, Siemens, had some interesting comments that dovetailed nicely with some of the predictions we made in in our panel uh, about uh, the use of HPC and AI, not only to simulate uh, the performance of, say, a, a manufacturing part, but also to help design the part and come up with the optimal design to begin with. I think that's uh, really the future direction of what we can look towards with things like AI in the loop combined with HPC. Now, we can assume that all of these different uh, uh use cases were making some use of HPC in the cloud because of the event they were at. Some mentioned it and the the so-called quote-unquote infinite compute that they could get in the cloud. I'm not a fan of the term infinite compute. I think it is far from infinite. But nevertheless, they were all excited about uh, removing some of the boundaries of, of their own operations that they were able to get with HPC and cloud. And, and we really have seen a, a major growth in that since 2017 and, and going into double-digit growth mode for HPC in the cloud. So it was totally worthwhile to spend some time on that. Meanwhile, in HPC Wire, Tiffany, you were covering a, a similar story with regard to GPU cloud bursting. Yeah, I was going to say, ostensibly, since all these these um, speakers that you saw were at Big Compute, they were all use cases of high-performance computing or high-throughput in, in the cloud to move the needle on these real-world problems. And we had a story this week on HPC Wire by our staff writer Oliver Peckham about cl uh, cloud bursting. Uh, there's a really interesting computing experiment um, actually back in back in November out of San Diego, the San Diego Supercomputing Center working with the team affiliated with the Ice Cube Particle Astrophysics Center that's located in the South Pole, the observatory there. Um, and we didn't get a chance to cover that story then. And now in the last uh, week, the team um, Last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, the team did an encore run of that, so it was cool. It gives us a, a reason to 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 talk about it again. And uh, the during the SC run, the team ran the world's largest uh, HPC HTC high throughput computing project, and they accessed 51,000 GPUs across the the three big public cloud providers: Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, um, using a, a total of eight different GPUs uh, from the, the latest uh, Volta ones all the way back to some ones from uh, 2013, 2014. 
And now they've just done this encore run with money that they had left over from that project. So they had about $60,000 left over from uh, $300,000 that they had in an NSF grant. And they were able to do even more science um, with fewer GPUs. So uh, our, our, as our article notes, they used this time, you know, before they had 51, they did 51,000 before. Now they did 15,000 GPUs and they were able to process 151,000 jobs compared to 101,000 the time before. So that's, they got 50% 50, 50 more science done. So um, it's really neat. And the whole thing is revolving around doing workloads for the ice cube project. And this is like such a cool science project. If I'm sure a lot of our listeners know about it already, but if you don't just, you know, go on the internet and if you do a quick search, you can pull up some really interesting uh, videos about it on, on YouTube. But essentially it's this Antarctic observatory that um, detects and analyzes and finds the signature for these neutrino particles, these mysterious particles and created uh, the beginning of the universe uh, that have very um, interesting properties. They don't really interact with matter. And then by studying them, they hope to unsolve all these other big mysteries about the universe, like exploding stars and gamma ray bursts and black holes. And, you know, if you understand the neutrinos, you understand th that you can understand those kinds of events. But, you know, back to the computing in order to find the, the neutrino neutrinos and to recognize that signature, you really have to understand the properties of the ice. And that's where this, you know, modeling and, and simulation is applied to. And with these big heroic runs, they're able to do, you know, in, in a day or less than a day, they can do, you know, more, more um, of the uh, computational work than they would be able to do it in a, in a couple months, you know. So it was a, it was a, um, a really successful project for, for them. Yeah, that project interests me on two levels. The first level is kind of a basic science is cool level, right? It's fun to read these uh, astronomy and physics models and get a sense of of real learning from them. But from a from an HPC analyst perspective, it's it what the most interesting thing to me is the multi cloud aspect of it that they were able to span multiple generations of GPUs across multiple clouds. Now, in a lot of applications, particularly with tightly coupled HPC applications, that's not so practical because you have data locality and data sovereignty issues. But in this case, with an open science GPU kind of cloud, it, it is exciting to see what can be done when some of those uh, constraints are, are relaxed a little bit. Now, as we talk about science going forward, we did have a bit of bad news this week in HPC, and you've covered this in HPC Wire as well. The Trump administration has put out its budget proposal for 2020, and it doesn't look so good for science in the newest proposed budget. Yeah, fiscal year 2021 proposed budget totaling $4.7 trillion. Uh, it looks a lot like the one from last year. Of course, this is, I was say at the top, this is the proposed budget. So expect lots of changes. It's a long, long process till we get to the final budget. But the way that this one looks, um, it's proposing massive cuts across science. Uh, and um, while, while focusing on some so-called what, what the administration is calling key industries of the future. So, th so there are, we also see some, some uplift for AI, quantum. Uh, we see exascale in there, uh, which we can come back to. But I, I just want to run down you know, some of the 
propose uh, cuts. I, I, I think you should. You're talking about massive cuts in across yeah. science, and I think that's accurate in this case. In some cases, some of the, the departments are only single-digit cuts, but we're talking about mostly double-digit cuts and across a wide range of agencies. Yeah, exactly. So um, NSF, 6% hit, uh, 7% cut to NIH, 11% NASA, uh, and one of the biggest ones is, or, well, before I get to the biggest one, another big one is 17% cut to Office of Science, um, you know, cru cru crucial and, and key um, for, for our uh, community. And then uh, RPE is under attack again. Uh, the Advanced Research Projects, Projects Agency, Energy, uh, is facing a whopping 173% cut, which would not only eliminate this $425 million agency, it would um, fold it into the, uh, the U.S. Department of Treasury. So it wouldn't even be its own agency anymore. Now, one thing we've observed in the past is that traditionally Republican administrations in the United States have put more of the funding through defense-related uh, areas, and de uh, Democratic administrations had done more of the open science and through Department of Energy. Now, in this case, we're certainly seeing an ongoing proposal like that, but that's not the only areas being cut. I noticed a line item here where the Department of Homeland Security, Science and Technology, is also getting a proposed cut of 15%. So it's not just the DOE areas that, that, uh, that this budget is proposing to cut. Yeah, there's wide cuts. There's generally uh, increased funding for military, um, cuts to science. There is a line item for exascale. I'm not surprising since we're expecting these exascale systems uh, to come online at the end of uh, by the end of 2021. So there's a 475 million dollar line item directed to to exascale. And you have quite rightly pointed out in your article that this is only a proposal. There's a long way to go through Congress. And who knows if this will even get passed or if we just wind up with a series of continuing resolutions that take us through and beyond the next election. The initial budget rarely, if ever, looks much like the one that's eventually passed. These agencies uh, that we've gone through so far, they have survived the process and some other proposed cuts and came out relatively healthy. So really, um, this is interesting to look at as kind of a, a presidential statement. I've referred to it as a reverse Rorschach test of what is being signaled in, in their position, but there's still a long way to go in the process. Our listeners can get more information on these news stories on HPC Wire. And for more information on the Big Compute event at the SF Jazz Center, visit bigcompute.org or take a look at my Twitter feed, at Addison Snell. And if more videos come out from that conference, we'll try to get some links up to those as well. Tiffany, a lot of cool news this week. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, and thanks to you for listening in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.